Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Hello, Activate Christchurch, and welcome to another exciting episode of Lounge Church. Sunday, if you're watching this morning and you don't know who I am, my name is Josh, and along with the team, uh, we lead here at Activate Christchurch. It's so great to have you with us this morning. Let's get right into it this morning because we have got a meaty topic that really needs a a bit of time to unpack. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 5. Uh, This morning we're starting a brand new chapter which is exciting in and of itself, making progress through the book of Acts very slowly. Acts chapter 5, I've got it here in front of me, I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. It says this, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. So you'll remember from the end of Acts chapter 4, it kind of ended with a lot of people selling property, selling land, selling houses, and coming and bringing the money from the sale and laying it at the apostles' feet. Uh, So that's what's happening here in chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira have also done that. Uh, With his wife's full knowledge, Ananias kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. You see, the inference here, reading in between the lines, is that Ananias has brought the money and told a big fat porky about how much they got for the land. And he's tried to make it look like he's presented this as this is the whole lot. We are giving everything we have to God. And that wasn't accurate. And Peter, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, recognized that something was off. And so he challenges Ananias on it. Verse 5 says, When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. What? And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. (laughs) Yeah, no lie. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, if you imagine a huge box, like the biggest box you've ever seen in your life, and on the front of that box is a note that says things that Josh does not understand. That's why it's got to be a big box. If you open that box up, this passage of scripture would be in that box. I do not understand this passage of scripture. This seems extreme right this seems like ott like what is going on here these two people this husband and wife they tell a lie and god just has a a very strong opinion about it and the consequences of their lie is that they are both uh you know drop dead at the feet of peter i do not know what is going on here 
Uh, but there is a lesson for us in this passage. And so we're going to look at that this morning. In fact, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about something that I have never explicitly spoken on. As long as I've been leading here at Activates, over three years now, I have never once explicitly taught or preached on giving money. Uh, we've taken up a couple of big offerings. We took up a big offering for the renovations here at church. We took up a big offering for uh, the van for the church in Hungary to help them serve the people of Ukraine. But outside of those two offerings, we've never really talked about giving. Uh, you'll notice we don't take up an offering every Sunday morning at church. We don't even have a slide on our PowerPoint that tells people how to give. And part of the reason for that is that I, I'm really trying to follow Jesus's example uh, when he says that he only did what he saw his father doing. Uh, and so even though I know that it's pretty commonplace in churches everywhere to make a big deal about money and to take up offerings, uh, in a lot of different areas in the church, I'm trying to just respond to what I see God doing. And so at the moment, I haven't had a huge challenge in my heart or a huge unction in my spirit to really make a big deal out of the church finances. Uh, that might change. It could be that God says, hey, Kay, now I do want you to start focusing on this, in which case we will bring it in. In fact, let me preface everything I'm going to say this morning by saying this. I reserve the right to change my opinion on this topic at some point in the future. It might be in the next few months. It might be in the next few years. It might never happen. But I am aware enough to recognize that I do not have a full uh, no holes barred, 100% revelation on this topic. I've got my opinions, I've got my philosophy, I've got my theology on it, I've got my principles and my practices, which I'll share with you in just a moment. Uh, but I am, I recognize that someone might come along at some point with much bigger brains than mine, much more intelligence than I have, and say, dude, you, you've misunderstood this, or you weren't aware of this, or here's another piece to the puzzle. We're always growing, right? We're always learning, we're always developing, we're always maturing, at least we should be. Uh, and so there's every chance that at some point in the future, I might uncover some more revelation on this. I might recognize a nuance that I didn't know. So let me just, I'm going to tell you where I'm at today, this morning. But I just want to be clear that I don't think that I understand all of this fully. Uh, and so I reserve the right in the future to say, hey, remember that message that I did back in July 2022? Yeah, I just want to tweak a few things there. I might not have quite got that bit right. So, you know, with that understanding, let's continue. Because what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about money. And I want to talk about giving, particularly the tithe. I want to talk about just giving in church. This is a very emotional topic. A lot of people have got very strong opinions on it. It's a sensitive subject for a lot of people. Uh, and so I'm not sure if it's possible to do it without ruffling at least a few feathers. So let's just all agree that we're going to put on our big boy pants. I've said this before. Put on our big girl pants and let's just talk about giving. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to tell you what I do. And I'm going to tell you why I do it. And then at the end of it, you can go, you know what, that makes sense to me. I want to follow that example. You might have your own thing. You might say, that's dumb. I'm not doing that. Josh, you're insane. And that's fine too. Because at the end of the day, what you give, your philosophy around giving, how you view your finances, is none of my business. It is between you and God. All I want to do is just kind of, I guess, bring some understanding around what I do and why I do it based on my understanding of the Bible. Is that cool? All right. So let's talk about a funky word that you'd have to be living under a rock 
uh, if you haven't heard this word in Christian circles, and that is the word the tithe. Who's heard of the tithe? Man, you can't go to church for five minutes without hearing someone talk about the tithe. We bring our tithe. You know, you hear people say, like, we bring our tithe into the storehouses. And what's widely taught in, in most churches is that you bring your tithe to your local church, and that's kind of what helps your church keep things running. And let's be honest, we can't run this thing for free. Like, I'm sitting in my office at the moment. We've got power bills, we've got heating bills, you know, we've got rates, we've got mortgage stuff. We, it's, it takes a little bit. We've got to pay staff, you know, we've got, like, toilet paper to bring in and cleaning products, and we've got to clean the building, and, and you've got an internet bill to pay and phone bill. Like, you guys understand what it takes. It takes a lot of money to run something like this, and we could not survive if people didn't give. So, yeah, like obviously we need to be giving money to our local church if this is our family if this is where we connect if this is where we receive you know revelation and support and all that kind of stuff and um you know unpacking the scriptures and connection then obviously we should be contributing that i think most of us recognize that that makes sense right the tithe is a hebrew word which means tenth okay and, and in the Old Testament, it was a legal obligation. It was a legal requirement. Everybody would take a tenth of their income, a tenth of their crops, a tenth of their herd, whatever it might be, and they would come and offer it to God as, a, as an offering uh, via giving it to the temple. Uh, and so that's kind of the behavior that we model in 2022. But we don't bring cows and chickens. Please don't bring cows and chickens into church and tell me that's your type. Like, you know, we bring money in 2022. Now... Here is something that you hear a lot in church circles. You hear people say this. They say, well, I don't believe in the tithe because the tithe is an Old Testament legal obligation. It's part of the Old Testament law. And we're now no longer under the law. We're under grace. Doesn't the Bible say that we're not under the law, we're under grace? If we're not under the law, then why are we legally required to bring 10%? Tithe means a tenth. Why are we legally obligated to bring a tenth of our income into church? We don't bring, you know, we don't follow any of the other Old Testament laws. We're not sacrificing cows on the altar. We're not counting our steps on the Sabbath. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. I, I don't know if I believe in the tithe. Uh, and so to that, I would say, I think I agree with you. Maybe that's not what you expected to hear from your pastor. Do I believe that I am legally required to give a tenth of my income to God. No, I don't believe that. I, I would subscribe to the theory that, yes, the tithe is an Old Testament principle, and we are not under the law. We are under grace. We are part of a new covenant. But here's where it gets, here's where it gets tricky. What does giving under the new covenant look like? Let me ask you this question. What... Uh, is a higher principle? What is a higher calling, a legally required minimum, or a spirit of generosity? You see, the Old Testament has a legally required minimum, which was 10%. The New Testament uh, has a spirit of generosity. In fact, let me just find it. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is what uh, Paul says about giving. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. So under the Old Testament, you gave because you had to. 
It was a legally required principle, right? You give because you, it's the law. Under the New Testament, we are now no longer under the law. We don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. We give because we have uh, a spirit of generosity. That's why Paul says you give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. You're not compelled to give from a legal perspective. You are encouraged to give from a spirit of generosity. Here's where the rubber meets the road, though. What is superior, a legally required minimum or a spirit of generosity? Let me give it to you like this. Let's say, for example, that I came to church one day and I crashed my car into your car. Your car was parked outside. I was a little bit late. I crashed into your car. I come inside and I say, hey, I crashed into your car. And you go, oh, no, what are we going to do about it? You know, you've you got to pay to get it fixed, Josh. And I say, I'm not paying to get it fixed. You parked it weird. You hadn't parked it weird. I wouldn't have crashed into it. It's not my fault I crashed into it. You parked it weird. And so we have this altercation because I don't want to pay to get your car fixed. And you're like, well, you shouldn't. So we go to court. And the judge hears our case and he says, well, it's pretty cut and dry, Josh. You crashed into their car, you numbskull. I don't care if it's parked weird. It was parked. You've got to pay to get it fixed. And so the judge passes uh, his judgment and the law comes into effect. And he says, you've got to pay to get their car fixed. That's the legal requirement. You've got to pay to get their car fixed. So let's say that you and I sit down afterwards and and I say, hey, look, I understand that I lost the court case. And so I'm legally required to get your car fixed. But you know what? Your car is a hunk of junk. And your car is a hunk of junk. And it's, it's only just getting by. And so I could pay to get it fixed. But really, it's going to die in the next couple of months. You know, it's, it's falling apart. And actually, uh, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament. I'm under the new covenant. I've got the spirit of Jesus living inside of me. I believe in the principle of sowing and reaping, which is a New Testament principle. I believe that, that God meets all of my needs and I want to be a generous person. And so because I'm a generous person, I have decided that rather than just paying to get your crappy car fixed, that instead I'm going to give you half what I was required to give. You're going to say, what? Wait, wait, no. You can't say that you're a generous person. You can't say that you've got God living inside of you and he makes all your needs and that you believe in the principle of sowing and reaping and, and make all the stuff about you being a generous person and then give me less than you were legally required to give. That's not generosity. Giving less than the legally required minimum is not generous. And I would say, oh yeah, you're right, actually. If I've been legally required to give XYZ, and then I give you less than that, I can't say that that's generosity. And so I always have a little laugh to myself when people say, well, I don't tithe because tithe's an Old Testament principle. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Legally required minimum is Old Testament, but the New Testament supersedes that. And the spirit of generosity is over and above that. Um, there's that story, right, where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they, they say, hey, should we pay tax or not, dude? Like, what's the deal? And Jesus grabs a coin and he holds up the coin to them and he says, whose face do you see on this? And everyone says, well, that's, that's Caesar's inscription, you know, Caesar's head. And Jesus says, yeah, so give to Caesar what is Caesar 
And then while he's holding the coin, while he's holding money, he says, and give to God what is God's. And so the inference there doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize it. He's saying, hey, there's a part of your income that you have to give to the government, like be law abiding citizens, pay your taxes. Like, and he was saying that to a group of people that were being taxed to within an inch of their life. Man, the Jewish people were oppressed under the Romans when it came to taxation. So he says, hey, you got to pay your taxes. But then while he's holding money, he says, and you've got to give to God what is God's. He's clearly, clearly talking about money. So the question then becomes, well, if it was 10% under the old covenant, how much of what I have is God's under the new covenant? And the answer is everything. Everything that you have is God's under the new covenant. Paul says, do you not realize that you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Everything you have is God's. Under the Old Testament, sure, it was 10%. Under the new, it's 100 That's why I laugh whenever someone says, oh, I don't believe in the tithe. That's Old Testament. I'm like, mate, <laughs> you were way better off under the Old Testament, man. You got to keep 90% of it. Under the New Testament, nothing is yours. Can I encourage you this morning? If you are someone that has heard that teaching, that the Old Testament is, you know, we're not, we're not worried about the legal obligation, that the tithe was a legal requirement. I agree with all of that. And I've got no problem with you saying, hey, I don't give because I'm required to by the law. I'd agree with that. But don't use that as an excuse to then not give God all of yourself. Don't use it as an excuse to give less than what they were giving under a legally you know, a legal system because that's not generosity and that's what we're called to. So what do I do? I give my family and we have given for as long as I've had a job since I was a teenager. I give 10% of everything that I earn to God through the church. At the moment, we go to Activate Christchurch. I'm acutely aware of what it takes to keep this machine running. So, you know, 10% comes to this church. And uh, we give, I'm just being totally transparent here. This is just what I do. And again, what you do is between you and God, but I'm telling you what your pastor does, what we do. Uh, we give 10% of our gross income. That means before tax, before expenses, before student allowance, whatever it might be, because my attitude is I give God 10% of everything that I have. God gets it first. I don't want to give what I have to Jacinda Ardern and then give God 10% of what's left over. No, God, you get it first. And the reason we give 10% is not because it's a legally required minimum, but because we're generous people. And I refuse, I just refuse to live a generous lifestyle or a, of giving that is less than what people were giving when they were under the law. I just, it just does not compute to me. So to make sure that I never end up falling into temptation or going, you know what, we've got that money there. Ah, oh, let's use it for this. Let's spend it here. I just have a rule. This is a, a rule, an automatic payment. Every week goes out of my account 10%. That way I've got like, I call it like my giving safety net, right? That's just my safety net that I know that I'm not ever falling into the trap of giving less than what the people in the Old Testament were, were giving. And I've got so much to be thankful for. You know, like Jesus Christ died on a cross for us. How can, you know, anyway, a separate thing. All I'm saying is that that's my benchmark. So we give 10% of our gross as a benchmark. And then on top of that, from time to time, I will give 
over and above. When we raised money for the Ukraine event, we gave over and above the 10%. When we raised money for the building renovations, we gave over and above that. I've got different charities that I support, like Fantail Studios, which Jared is a part of. I give it over and above that because I'm a generous person. And I don't give it out of any obligation. I give it because I choose to give it. And I give it cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. Let me finish with this, this last story. Uh, and then I'll leave you to mull over what I've said. And again, this is just me. This is just how I do it. It's totally between you and God. Uh, but I would challenge you on this topic. The idea that you can call yourselves or that we can call ourselves generous people and yet give God less than what he was being given under the Old Testament law, that does not compute to me. I think generosity trumps legally required minimums every day of the week and twice on Sundays. In fact, one of the things that we see consistently in the New Testament is that it, it just it, it supersedes the Old Testament in so many ways, right? So the Old Testament law was you're not allowed to kill people. Jesus comes along and says, hey, that's like the minimum requirement. But actually, when you're operating with the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the, what I'm really looking for is that you're not carrying anger in your heart. See, he just, he just ratchets it right up. Old Testament law says, hey, you're not allowed to commit adultery. And Jesus goes, yeah, like that's again, guys, it's kind of like the legal minimum. What I'm really looking for is that you're not looking at people with lust in your heart, that you're really just committed to your spouse. And it's so much more than just the physical act. So again, he ratchets it right up. And in the area of giving, it's like, yes, okay, it was 10% in the Old Testament. But what we're really looking for is a heart that's fully devoted to God, that won't hold anything back from God. Uh, and I try to live my life in a way where as much as possible, I say, God, everything I have is yours. And if, God, you ask me to do something, to go somewhere, to give something, at the end of the day, it's yours. I'm just a steward of it. So let's just circle back to Acts chapter 5 really quickly. Pick it up in verse 4. Peter, talking to Ananias about the land that he sold, says, Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You see, Peter says, mate, the land was yours. You could have done whatever you wanted with it. And after you sold it, the money was yours. You could have done whatever you wanted with it. So what did Ananias and Sapphira get wrong? I want to suggest to you that what they got wrong, where they stuffed up, was they presented an image they pretended, they lied about the fact that they were giving everything to God when in actual fact they were holding stuff back for themselves. And that might not be something that we deal with in 2022. I can't remember the last time that someone came into church and said, here's some money from a parcel of land that I sold. It's the full amount. Like no one's ever done that to me. But I wonder, I just wonder if the lesson for us in this chapter is how often... Do we lie to ourselves about the fact that we're giving God everything when actually we're holding a part of it back for ourselves? I, I, I have to say straight up, you know, full confession, I think I do that quite a lot. I think sometimes I delude myself into thinking, yeah, God, you've got all of me. God, I'm totally sold out for you. But actually, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I'm holding back. You know, yes, God, I, I, I love you and I serve you with all of my life. And then God says, well, do this. And you're like, oh, I don't really want to do that. You know, and, and in this context, it's talking about money. But you can apply it to any era of our life. You could say, well, God, you've got all of my energy. And then we hold some of our energy back. Oh, I don't feel like going to church this morning. Or God, you've got all of my, uh, you know, all of my time. And again, chapter five, all of my resources, my finances. 
And so the challenge for us, I think, from Acts chapter 5 is do we really give God everything or are we holding parts of ourselves back? And in the area of finances, because that's what we looked at this morning, generosity always, always trumps a legally required minimum. And so the challenge for us this morning is if you're someone who hasn't maybe had a regular habit of giving, who's maybe struggled with, you know, trusting God with their finances, I just want to encourage you to read through 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul talks about the requirements of giving from a New Testament perspective. Because he's super clear, man, don't give anything that you're not comfortable giving. Don't feel obligated to give. Don't feel pressured into giving. Don't feel compelled to give. You have to give out of your heart. But the challenge, right, the challenge for us all is to go, okay, if the legally required minimum was 10% and I struggle to trust God with that, then maybe that warrants a deeper look inside of myself. Maybe that warrants me stepping back and going, okay, what is it about my relationship with Jesus Christ that makes it hard for me to give at a level that they were giving in the Old Testament under a legal system? Because we have the Spirit of Jesus Christ living in us. We have generosity. We have the fruits of the Spirit. We trust God. The Bible says not to worry about anything. You know, Jesus says you'll have everything that you need. So why do I struggle to trust God to the same level that the Old Testament people gave out of a legal obligation? That's the challenge. All right, I'm going to leave you with that. We're going to break into groups this morning. You can have a good old chat about it. The first question is going to be, how much do you give and how often? Um... No, I'm just joking. It's not. Because again, it is totally between you and God. Uh, It's going to be a fun conversation. Enjoy the rest of your lounge churches. Enjoy your lunch. And I look forward to seeing you all at church next Sunday. God bless.